The devil came after Jesus. Lord knows he's going to come after me. You're looking for God? I'll tell you how God usually shows up. It ain't when the skies open up. It ain't when the church doors open up. God shows up in ordinary people, in ordinary ways. Chapter 1, if you would like to turn there to Acts chapter 1, and we will start in verse 10, verse 10 of Acts chapter 1. The story of the book of Acts is the story of the early church, the first Christians. And what you find when you look in Acts or any number of things, the first thing you find uh, is that um, they met in homes. They didn't have any fancy buildings. So if you always thought that uh, you didn't want to go to a big building in order to do church, or you didn't even feel like you needed to be in a church building to do church, there you go right there from straight out of the Word. You can do church any number of places. You can do church in the line uh, at the uh, fast food restaurant uh, getting your food. You can do church. When you're taking a shower in the morning, you can do church almost anywhere. So they didn't have a whole bunch of what this world calls material uh, possession, uh, but they did, uh, they did meet, and they met in, in, just in residences. The second thing is that they had challenges, just like we do. So anyone that is here and thinks that the early church was a little different and a little bit better, they were just like we are. They had disagreements. They had disputes. They had things they had to work through. Uh, the third thing is they knew power that most of us can't imagine. And you say, well, why don't we know the power the way the early church knew? Well, all I can tell you is that they had struggles that most of us have not known in this life. The early Christians faced things that you and I have had not, not had to face in our lifetime, probably. If you have not had to deal with someone saying, I don't want anything to do with you because you're a Christian, if you have never had to deal with someone taking away what you thought you owned because you were a follower of Jesus, if you have never had someone threaten your life, uh, or worse, because you called yourself a Christian, that's what I'm talking about. They were living in a culture that, to a great extent, were not very uh, friendly uh, to the fact that they were following Jesus. And so they had power that maybe we didn't know, but the fact is we have power to meet the struggle. This is my own uh, view of this. The power that you and I get is probably equal to what it is that we have to face. So if we've got a lot of struggle, we can usually count on a lot of power. This is just my experience. you got a lot of struggle, you can probably count on a lot of power for those of us who call in the name of Jesus. You don't have very much struggle, then you're probably don't, not going to need much power. So the great, greater, I mean, think about it. I mean, if, if, what, if what you're dealing with is what color nail polish am I going to have to put on this morning? If that's what you're dealing with, how much power are you going to need to deal with that? But if you're having to deal with how do I go on with life? There you go. Hey, sweetie. Hey, sweet. Come on. I'm talking to y'all. She wants to see me. See, so I'll just keep listening to me. So that's it. The church had struggle, but they also had power to meet the struggle. And so maybe we can reckon on God to give us the power that we need to meet the struggles of the day. At least I hope we can. But here in Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 10, here's what we read. While Jesus was ascending and they were gazing up toward heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. And they said to them, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Then they reached... They returned to Jerusalem, rather, returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. And when they had entered the city, they went to the room 
upstairs where they were staying, Peter and John and James and Andrew and Philip and Thomas and Bartholomew and Matthew and James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. They were all there. And all these were constantly devoting themselves to prayer, together with certain women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, as well as his brothers. I heard it at graduation. I've already told you about um, Pooh Bear, uh, but I heard it at graduation or overheard it somewhere. want to be in school for all these many months and years. I did not want to be in this building. I resisted being in this building every chance I got. I did not want to be here. I did not want to be here. I did not want to be in the school building. I did not want to be looking in books. I'm paraphrasing now. This is not an exact quote. I didn't want to be here. And now that graduation is here, I don't want to leave. It's the end of something good. It's the end of something good when all of a sudden you realize that school that I thought I didn't want anything to do with is the place now that I don't want to be anywhere else but that place. There's a good grammar for you. It's losing the relationship that you never thought you'd lose. It's the end of anything that you can look at now and say, am I supposed to do now? What are we supposed to do? Think about it with me. They had seen Jesus open blind eyes. They had seen Jesus open to go. Two things about this very quickly. And the first is this. There is no timetable on transition. There is no definitive table of time as to how long it takes someone to make a transition from this season to that season. There is no timetable for healing to say this is how long it will take this wound to be whole again. There is no table of time for any of us because we all heal. We all transition in different ways. There are some people who heal very, very quickly. I knew someone who woke up one day and she said, this is the day that I am not going to smoke cigarettes anymore. And she never picked up a cigarette again in her entire life one day and she was cold turkey. And I know because I worked with her and she said, I quit today. And then she came the next day and she said, I quit today. And the next day she said, I quit today. And she did it that quickly. Not everybody transitions that quickly. Our friends in recovery, though, tell us this. They say seconds turn into minutes, turn into hours, turn into days, turn into months, and all of a sudden you find yourself walking a new walk and talking a new talk. There is no timetable because the way you do it and the way I do it are different. But the sooner you and I get our heads straight is the sooner we can begin to transition from one season to the other. Instead of just sinking down in the mud and saying this is the way life has to be and this is the way life is going to stay which is not the way it is. I don't care what you tell me. I don't care what you throw in my face. I do not believe that the end of one season in life is the end of all life because there is always another season. It may be a winter season. It may be a crying season. And bless the woman who told the preacher, I don't know how long I'm going to cry. And that preacher who said right back to her, you will cry until you don't need to cry anymore. And when you are done crying, you are done crying. And not every preacher has that grace. There are different seasons in life. There are transitions. What do I do now? 
And if you have not been there, I hate to be the bearer of tough news, but you will be there at least one time in your life where you are wringing your hands, where you feel like the walking dead, and you say, what in heaven's name do I do now? It happens after divorce. It happens after death. It happens after the diagnosis. It happens whenever there is despair, whenever there is darkness, whenever there is the ending of something good, and you ask yourself the question, now what in the world? I supposed to do. It is a very human thing to do. It is what these first followers of Jesus, what Peter, what Mary Magdalene, what the mother, Mary, the mother of Jesus, all of them said. And all I can tell you is that these early followers have something very important to tell us, and it is this. This thing that is called peace, this thing that is called joy, this thing that is called the fullness of the Spirit is reserved for the present tense. We are, said the great theologian, already in the presence of God. What is lacking is awareness. Jesus gone to heaven and yet still in what? The very presence of God. What is missing is awareness. And so everything that makes life worth living, I am not talking about money that can pay your way in, and I am not talking about influence that every once in a while can pave the road for you. That is not what I'm talking about. I am talking about all the internal stuff, all the really good stuff that makes life worth living is reserved not for the past tense and not for the future tense, but for the present tense. And as the man said, if I am depressed and pardon this because depression is a medical condition, but if I am dealing with depression, the chances are that I am living in the past tense. More or less. Now, don't take that as a slight against people that have depression because there are people that have to take medicine for it, and God bless medicine. God, There are people who are just melancholy. You got it? They are always going to be a little sadder than other people, and there is no sin in that. There is no crime in that. And do not put somebody else down because they don't seem quite as happy as you. That's not what I'm talking about. I am talking about this thing where you sit and you say, oh, all the past mistakes, all the past sins, all the past junk, that's what happens when I spend my entire life doing nothing more than living in the past. And if I am spending nothing but my, all the days of my life and all the minutes of my time looking toward the future and saying, what about this? What if this? happens, what if that goes wrong, yada, 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 I am going to be full of nothing but what? Of fear and foreboding. And yet present tense, there is the offer of for all of us, this peace, this joy, it is not a fairy tale, it is as real as the hair on your head right now. And it comes in this present moment. My iPod gave me a warning. I have an iPod in my car and it gave me a warning and it said it is low on power. And I said, how can this be? It is pull, it, it, it's plugged up. Everything ought to be fine. And I looked and said, sure enough, I get ready to lose power. And I looked and I looked and I finally just took the little cord and I plugged it in there and guess what? It hadn't been plugged in all the way and as soon as I plugged that thing in, bam! It was green again. It wasn't red, it was green. And there was power yet again. In the present moment is where the power always is. If you spend the days of your life, and if I spend the days of my life worrying about everything that has been lost and worrying about everything that may away every day that we've got, and we will get to the point where we will say we have wasted our whole life. Where did it all go? 
even to the point of waiting for heaven itself. To wait for grace that is being given today is probably the greatest sign of unfaithfulness in my life. If I say I am going to wait until the grace comes, I will be waiting today, I will be waiting tomorrow, and I will be waiting two weeks from next Tuesday and wondering why the grace didn't come. And the reason is I am not understanding that the grace is being offered right here and right now. And I'm talking exactly about my own life because when I look back on the seasons of my life, most of the seasons of my life, I squeeze all the juice that I should have. I did not get all the fruit. I didn't get all the meat from the bone. I didn't get it all. There is only one place where peace, where grace is offered. And it is this moment right now. And it is what the scriptures say. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the acceptable time. And so here are the apostles. Mary Magdalene and the whole crew looking up to heaven saying, Now what? Now what? You take the next step. And you take the next step after that. And you take the next step after that. And you find and I find a grace that is meeting us in the moment. And walk into a new season of life. Jesus is gone. But the grace of God is closer than the nose on your face. Now what do we do? Look for the grace. Because it's right there. You got me? Look for grace because it's right in front of you. In Jesus' name, let's pray. Dear God, we need to learn from the past. And as best we can, we need to look toward the future. But there is only one place that we may live, and it is this moment right now. Help us in Jesus' name to be people of the moment. And for those of us who are looking forward to heaven, help us to have some measure of peace and joy to remind us of all the blessing that awaits us. Meet us in the present moment with grace, with glory, and sometimes new guts to face the challenges of the day. And we'll give you the praise for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Miss Tommy. Miss Tommy. The, the call this morning for everybody is this. You say, I'm living in the past, I'm living in the future. I don't. Thanks for tuning in to A Quick Word, brought to you by Ebenezer United Methodist Church. If you'd like to join us in person, Sunday worship is at 9, Sunday school at 10, Sunday evening Bible study at 4. Our youth group meets at 5.30 on Wednesday evenings. Come and check us out. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.